0: Real fast, I wanted to tell you about my new podcast, Upworthy Weekly. It's a lighthearted news podcast. It comes out on Saturdays. And I have forced my co-host, Todd Perry, to join me here to help me tell you about our new venture, Todd, Why Should They Listen?, Well, I mean, a lot of people,
1: they think, oh, it's the Upworthy podcast. It's just going to be sunshine, and it's going to be unicorns. But you know what? It's really not that. Allison doesn't have the ability, she doesn't (laughs) have it in her to actually be that person that I thought we were hiring when we did this show. But clearly, after just a couple episodes, the facade dropped, okay? I thought, you know, she's doing the Upworthy show. It's not going to be like, oh, neurotic, cynical... Allison, but no, she's there. So, you know, <laughs> I try to counteract that with some of my ah, good vibes.
0: Ah. Um, I would argue that if one person is coming off as a little bit cynical and unhinged right now, it's not me.
1: It comes out every Saturday, wherever you get
0: podcasts. Bye. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, when perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, do the wavy began to dance again. Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey everyone, hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am very excited to bring in my guest in a moment, but first I must catch up with you. So, as you know, my producer Tony Thaxton is back on tour. He was on tour and I complained a lot about how he abandoned me. And then he came back for like just a second, just long enough for it to be painful when he left again. But he's been posting photos about how like this is the last night on tour and blah, blah, blah. And, um, but he's like hanging out on the East coast just to prolong his absence from the show. I think, I don't know. And I think he'll be back. I think I'm I'm thinking, is this the last show without him? I don't know. I'm done counting that I'm over him. You know what, Tony? I'm over you. I don't care anymore. I know that I start every show with my feelings about the fact that you're not here. But that's because I'm over you. If I really cared, I wouldn't want you to think that I cared. And I'd be pretending I don't. I'd be holding it in. So the fact that I'm talking about it is a sign of how how much it doesn't matter to me. It's no big deal. I hope you're having fun. Anyway, big event happened in the studio today. I've been talking about termites, but a big event happened mosquito-wise today, and I don't want to do the thing I do or my, I keep my guests waiting for too long, so I'll just make it very, very fast. If you've been following up with all of my podcasts, Alison Rosen's your new best friend, Upworthy Weekly, Lighthearted News Podcast comes out on Saturdays, and Childish, you will know I've been terrorized by a mosquito or a group of mosquitoes. I, they all look kind of the same. I don't know if it's one or multiples. But there has been a singular mosquito just thriving in my studio, buzzing around my head, buzzing near the microphone, you know, while I'm doing a show, it has become a co-host of all the podcasts I'm on. I have become a person who has a fly swatter near me. It's like the fly flapping around while I'm doing the show. It's sort of funny and it's sort of pathetic. And anyway, Today, it happened again, and Upworthy Weekly co-host Todd Perry said, still with the mosquito? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's the same one. And so anyway, while I was talking about a news story, the mosquito just dove into my coffee cup, and it, it had a lid on it too, so like a small opening. It's a daredevil mosquito. And ended its life, took its own life in my coffee during the show. So the problem solved itself. So, um, I don't know if this is because I've been listening to Abraham Hicks on YouTube, even though I don't know how I feel about it, but I might, I might be manifesting good things, you guys. I might be in the vortex. Okay. My guest today is someone I'm very excited to talk about. And to talk to i 'm talking about her right now i 'm about to talk to her. She is a comedian, a writer, a filmmaker, and also, according to her, an atrocious cook and we will get into all of that she 's also a TV writer she was a head writer uh, and also a producer i 'm sure of uh, the problem with John Stewart and you know her best as uh, the host of the very popular podcast, which I just had the Uh, pleasure of guesting on Celebrity Book Club with Chelsea Davantez. Did I, I don't know. I, before we started, I said that I'm overthinking. Even though I know (laughs) how to pronounce her last name, I'm overthinking it. Please put your hands together for Chelsea. Devante, Devontes. De oh my God, Devante! <laughs> no, I even and, and I say this all
1: the time on my podcast. Like when you get, I've even gotten nerves over um, like good friends of mine. Yeah, you know, like like June Diane Raphael just came on and I was like June Diane, and I was like Raphael, you know. And then um, is that yeah, or is it Raphael?
0: Well, see, there's the thing. Yeah. No, it's. Oh, I Allison, mean, I don't know. I that's don't, my good friend. What if I fucked it up? I even but I said your name correctly before you we did, started, to my right? Face. Yeah. Yeah. And I even It's a thing. It, that's so it, weird. It's a thing. I even yeah. wrote I even wrote the middle syllable in all caps and then when I said <laughs> it, I put the emphasis in the wrong place. Devontes. <laughs> yeah. Devontes. Yeah, yeah. And then so, I yeah, said it doesn't Devontes. even matter. You killed it. No. Devontes. Devonte. Say it. Say it. And then I'm going to say Chelsea it. Devantes. Chelsea DeVantes. Chelsea DeVantes. <laughs> anyway, welcome. Welcome to the show. It's so nice Thank to you. see you. Thank you. Thank you so much for
1: having me. I'm so happy to see you again after our um, big takedown
0: of Elvis Presley through Priscilla Presley's memoir. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So your podcast, Celebrity Book Club, uh, do you only do female written memoirs? I do. And you know, sometimes I sneak a dudes in there and there
1: was a time when I actually lined up like five of them and they, um, and this is not a gendered thing. This is, just the truth uh maybe how we commodify women's pain, but women's memoirs, they are just so much more open and detailed and specific and mm-hmm. highs and lows. And every time I, I know there are some really great male memoirs out there, but um the few that I've tried, you know, I get a little bummed out. Then I back out again. So I just feel like we really haven't told women's stories enough. So I mostly stick to women's stories. That being said, will I cover Matthew Perry's? Yes, yeah. I have to like, there's yeah. exceptions to the rule.
0: Right. Right. Um, I feel like friend let's t- let's discuss friends for a moment. Big friends fan over here. I yeah, I sure. really like it. It's classic. But you know who else really likes it? Um, Jax's wife. Do you watch Vanderpump Rules? Um, I have. Yes. Okay. Why am I I'm not cut
1: up? I, I tapped out. Brittany I tap out. Um, Jax's wife, Brittany, who's yes, like Brittany, the one with the cheese company, the beer cheese Oh, does she
0: have a beer cheese company? Well, I mean, she was supposed to. I don't know if it ever happened. But oh. She was like, I'm making beer cheese. Okay, I see. I think I maybe I stopped watching before that. But I just, like the most basic of basic, and I know you have a short film called Basic, which mm-hmm. I laughed out loud so much at. So we have to talk about that in a moment. Uh, but I'm just saying, like, I like to think of myself as a connoisseur of fine humor. And yeah. yet I think Friends really cuts across all the strata. What do you think? Sure. Yeah. Um, can yeah, I, mean, can it, I respect also, myself even though I love Friends?
1: Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. As okay. long as we can all acknowledge that Friends was stolen from living single, we can go forth and enjoy the stolen goods. Um, no, Friends, you know, it's of an era of, of something that we're, like, really missing right now, which is uh, joke-heavy half-hour comedies. Yes. And whether you liked Friends or not, filled with jokes – Top to bottom, joke, 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 joke. And they were like character based jokes, um, to the point that like they could get a laugh off of just like an attitude mm-hmm. or an expression. And I think now some are coming back, but like it's been so long since we've had a half hour, you know, sitcom where on one page there's seven jokes. Right. I feel like we've, we were, we're coming out of a phase where people were like, actually it's like cooler to not have a joke, but like, <laughs> kind of half talk about something in a half interesting way and call it a comedy.
0: You know what I thought was very surprising is that the bear was, uh, was in the comedy category.
1: And you know what? That's, it's only because it's a half an hour long. Okay, because that is not a comedy in any way. I, it's the same way um, if I were to create an hour long comedy that was uh, f- just friend two episodes of Friends stitched back together, it would have to go into the drama category I see. because of its time.
0: So it's just being pushed in that direction. Yeah, yeah.
1: Because so, the bear, the bear ain't bringing the laughs. That's not what the bear is bringing.
0: Recall my sides hurting when I watched the bear. <laughs> it's just it's not what they're even intending. To no, do. no. Although I did like. It a lot but not in a yes, funny yes. not in a funny way um they don't even want it to be funny they're no. making a high art yeah show prestige yeah. uh so i so i came on your show we talked about elvis and me a book that i loved when i was 13 and which as an adult i think wow that was highly problematic and then there was yeah. uh we talked a lot about i mean your thesis which i think you should publish in like a scholar you need to you know you could get a phd on like Elvis Colon, a chode.
1: <laughs> he was a chode. Elvis a chode? Yeah. Can I tell you? Mm-hmm. So I've been um so I'm gonna knock on wood. I've been so blessed and lucky that um my podcast really I don't um it's not a hateful podcast. We do talk about these books we do talk about what's in them, but it's not like it's never coming from hate. And I got from our episode my very first hate mail oh, no. in two years. So I mean, but I mean I went two years without someone. Uh, So, yeah, so a woman came to my, found my Instagram, sent me a message, and she was like, how dare you call Elvis a chode? (laughs) You don't know him. And she was like, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. He was grooming a child, but he was amazing. And then she found the little emoji um, of uh, where you're flipping the bird, Mm -hmm. and she sent it to me. And I was just like, "Wow, wow. Like The Elvis... Behive is yeah. <laughs> strong. Elvis Hive, Ehive. It's Shit. the Eehive is strong. E hive.
0: Wow. Do you get the sense that she was older?
1: Um, yeah. Oh, well, of course I went to her Instagram, I'm okay. hung out there for a little bit. Yeah. I think she's she's going through some hard times. She doesn't she doesn't have much going on and Elvis is her boy. Right. And you know what? I get it. I love that she felt so passionate mm-hmm. enough to stand up for him in such a strong way, despite the hour and a half of evidence, so cited facts and sources that we said that proved she shouldn't
0: I just love the the vitriol matched with the term chode you know yeah I know also
1: like listen he's not here anymore it's okay to talk about yeah What really happened and and things that we ignored during the time. And you can love Elvis's music while also discussing honestly what happened between him and Priscilla. I
0: also felt like it was fairly benign what we were saying. Extremely benign. I guess the fact that I was like, he's a show yeah and i made and i made fun of elvis doing karate it just it hurt her feelings right i yeah i have a fi- it sounds to me like she was less upset that we were saying he was kind of a predator than like you were saying he was uncool she and a bit of a dork. not think
1: he was a predator and thought we were overblowing the fact that he
0: which he wasn't a chi- doing ha-
1: Had a, yeah he wasn't overblowing her for sure <laughs> um, <laughs> um but yeah so but you know little badge of
0: honor yeah uh, i've made it I got some hate mail. Well, I'm sorry. And also you're welcome for being part of that whole thing. I don't know. And then can we also quickly just touch on another bit of hate mail that you posted that I witnessed, which I had a strong reaction to you have been documenting your search for the perfect suite of wedding dresses. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and I have just been loving it so much. I got married in 2014. Um, I didn't, we didn't, Daniel and I, my husband and I didn't give ourselves enough time to plan our wedding. I look back on that and I think, why did we do that? I forget if I mentioned it on our episode. I think, why did we do that to ourselves? Like, why did Mm -hmm. we, I don't know. I can't remember if it was a budget thing. or For whatever reason, we were like, this is the date we're getting married. It's five months away. Even though that means I'm going to have to buy a dress like off the, the sam off the rack or what like it just Yeah, yeah. It it, it puts so much stress on the whole thing was like such a stressful process, but you seem to be having so much fun with it that it's like very sort of almost like therapeutic for me to to watch how much fun you're having with the whole thing. But there was someone who did well- not appreciate it.
1: No. No, and you know, it's been very therapeutic for me to do the whole thing. Like, especially because my wedding dress search started when I was doing the problem with John Stewart where we're delving into like economic policy that's like crushing our nation and and climate activism and domestic violence and and these things that really mean a lot to me, but as as the show tries to find solutions, you run into the roadblocks to these solutions and they're so sad you know and then i would go and try on wedding dresses to blow off steam mm-hmm. and so i just got so into it and also i just truly truly am astonished at the prices of wedding dresses like it is it is so funny to me that some of these things are like ten thousand dollars like know. that's hilarious to me so i loved posting them i've had the best time and i have had it's so funny because you know i'm mostly on my instagram i talk about books and i talk about tv and film and the wedding dress stuff i would get just so many messages being like please keep posting like we want to see like more more i got all these messages i would hold polls i would be like do you want me to stop talking mm-hmm. about this and people would like keep talking about it and then listen i got the elvis thing and i got this and this like in the same week and i was like what's happening this woman responded to one of my stories and she was like why do you think uh anyone would care about what wedding dress you choose My dress was super expensive and no one heard a word about it. Unfollow. Good luck. I didn't even see that message until she never unfollowed me and then messaged me again when I was posting more wedding dresses. And she was like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. Just choose one. And I think because it it was the very first negative message I've got in a year of doing these things that I I felt the need to share it. Mm -hmm. Maybe in case... I did, it did hurt my feelings a little, like you're, you're not impenetrable, you know? And I was like, Oh God, I'm sorry. I thought this was like funny. <laughs> and then I got the most, I got so many amazing messages that I actually took it down because I, uh, people
0: were they finding her?
1: No, no, I didn't allow that, but it, it is, it's the wedding industry. And one of the reasons I I do keep making jokes about it is like one, I find it fun. And two, I think the reason weddings are not fun is because we've, I don't know. We've sort of taken all the like Christian Catholic guilt that originated with them and we're carrying it into 2022, which like, we don't got
0: to do that anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I found, and I don't want to make this about me and my wedding. So I'll just say this real fast. No, tell me. Um, I, we had uh, a wedding in Santa Barbara. So all of the vendors were from that area and I kind of chose them quickly. And I think that I should have spent more time making sure that I liked I mean, it wasn't quickly, but like, I just didn't wait till I felt like, yes, I totally like, I totally feel a connection with you. And this, you know, this is, it just felt a little bit thrown together. And, you know, at the last minute, like when I would have a question about something, I just remember getting an email from, I don't know if it was the wedding planner who I have a lot of issues with, but, or someone who was like, um, you know, this is the time to trust your team and, and blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> and it was very much like, I just felt like they were treating me like a silly, a silly little bride. Yes. Not, yeah. not me, not me, a person who has a question about something that's actually legitimate. And hey, I'm not. 17 years old like I've been on this earth for yeah. a long time like I know what's up and also like I'm paying a lot of money and I have a right to have a change of heart about an it, something with the wedding and then also like at the last minute I had had like gotten into a fight with my mom and wanted to have a we we it was a very small wedding and we weren't going to have a sweetheart table and then i i was like you know what maybe we should have a sweetheart table it would not have been difficult to change where the table was and so oh. i asked if we could have that and they said no it was too late and i was like i really don't think it That's was it was wild. like That's a lot of wild. a lot of like at every at every turn at the end i felt like they it. They weren't treating it like it was my special day.
1: It is your most special, <laughs> it, your most oh, special, my, precious day that you're gonna lose your virginity on. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, and then right. also, this is so stupid, but I cling to it. The uh, makeup artist put the wrong color lipstick on me, and when I pointed it out, she said, "Oh, that ship has sailed, sister."
1: Okay, as but if you put- I could wipe lipstick off with the back of my hand. I know. Biatch. <laughs> I, it was. So- Allison, I'm sorry. Thank I think you. stuff like that, but I do think that's built into this wedding industry, particularly because it is gendered as a female thing, even though often marriages are between a woman and a man, you know, uh, and, and women and women, but like, no matter, even if it's two gay men getting married, yeah. weddings have been gendered as a female thing. And, um. And, and the way they like mistreat people within it and gouge yeah. them. And I think it's so silly. And like everyone deserves to have like the wedding of their fucking dreams, whether that's no wedding at all or in fact, a divorce party or a little fairy tale ending. And I think it's just, I think it's so silly how we treat it all.
0: And the thing is they built like, I started out being like, I don't care about all of this. But then by the time the day comes, I've been like, it's been pumped into my head of like, it's my special day. It's my special day. I've all the flowers. You know what I mean? It's, it's like my special day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can, and and like all these tiny decisions, like I don't have a favorite flower, but I've been forced to choose one. And I don't care about, you know what I mean? Like you start making all these decisions and you get invested. So then when a few, when these little things go wrong, it does suddenly feel like a calamity i mean i don't know anyway you're gonna have a great wedding though i can feel it
1: change that would change if we like spoke about weddings differently and like you know it just doesn't have to be that precious yes and and and, you know whatever whatever
0: how did you and your fiance meet
1: We met because his best friend was a writer on the first Jon Stewart show I worked on. And he told Yasser, um, uh, I've found the girl for you and she works here. And Yasser was like, oh, my God, set us up on a date. And he was like, well, she has a boyfriend. He was like, well, then what what the fuck are you telling me about (laughs) her for? (laughs) And then um, months and months and months later... Um, we had broken up, um, and, and then that's when
0: Robbie, our friend, was like, you guys should meet. That's so, I love that story, and I love that the best friend was like, I found the right girl for you, and that the best friend was correct. He was correct, and it's so
1: funny because he actually didn't even, you know, when when I broke up with my boyfriend at the time, he went to Yasser and he was like, hey, that girl is single. But he didn't come to me. Mm-hmm. He didn't like try and overly matchmake right. it. Like it was so artfully done. And I can't believe he was right. Like he was just so
0: very right. It's hilarious. What do you think he, has he told you what it was that he saw in both of you that like made him know you guys were right for each other?
1: Um, You know, only in the broad strokes. I think uh, the fact that I was, so uh loud and opinionated (laughs) (laughs) was actually something that um i think yasser had had, like wanted and i think it he and i are very um it's funny we're we're so dissimilar in that like if i had to perform his stand-up set i would bomb and if he had to perform perform mine he would bond and we would never write the same joke Mm -hmm. in our lives so like we're very different in in many ways like that but we're very similar at our core, and I imagine Robbie um, f- read into that. I mean, we're both like we're both little like fiery little maniacs.
0: <laughs> so did okay. So your your fiance is Yasser uh, Yasser Yasser Yasser. I've I've Yasser Yasser. I yeah have lost my ability to know how to pronounce all words. It's just oh gonna gosh, by too. the end. I no one will understand me. Uh Yasser Lester. Lester, um, right? Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: Yes, sir. Questioning yes, sir. everything.
0: <laughs> Actor. we having a meltdown. <laughs> totally. Actor, comedian. Also makes hats and clothing. He... <laughs> I follow him course, on Instagram. Yeah.
1: He he has this. um Yeah. So he has this uh production entity called Model Boys. And like twice a year, he and his brother will release like 50 hats in conjunction with hood hats. Um, and they're always, uh, yeah, super cute. And yeah.
0: Okay. And you guys were in New York, but moved out here somewhat recently. Yes.
1: Yeah. So we met while I was working in New York City. He was working in L.A. Then he moved to New York with me. Then he had to move back to L.A. We went long distance. Then I moved To LA. Then we were in LA for a long time. Then when I got the head writing position, we moved back to New York together. We were there for eight months. Now we're back in LA. Got
0: it. So where, where are you from originally? (laughs) Excuse me. And what was your upbringing like?
1: (laughs) I uh, grew up in almost every state in the Southwest. We moved around a lot. So um, I won't name them all because it gets long, but like (laughs) Utah um, and then Nevada and really all of them. Mm -hmm. And we, we ended in New Mexico. So I did two years of high school in New Mexico and my mom still lives there now Mm -hmm. with my stepdad. And so, and they've been in the same house now for like 20 years. Oh wow! So I always consider New Mexico home only because there's no other place (laughs) to call home. Mm -hmm. Like there's no home if it's not New Mexico and that's where they are now. And it's the place I love the most in the world. And it's um, the place where life got really good for us. And so I think of it with such love and I always love going back and, um, and yeah, I'm, I, so yes, I, I, w- I wish I could
0: claim New Mexican, but I just love it, and it's where home is. I have only spent a tiny like a few days there when I was twelve when we drove across the country i but I'm very curious about it. I feel like people have this deep connection to New Mexico, and it's like mystical and spiritual. Is that your connection to it at all?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the state is so it's so interesting because it has such a beautiful spiritual energy that you really don't find in any other States Um, at the same time, like New Mexico is uh, goes back and forth between number 50 and number 49 in education. Mm. Um, It's like number 49, number 50 in opportunity. And so it's a really varied state with what's happening within it. But the people in New Mexico, um, they just exude something very special at them. And, And I think that's what leads the whole state to have this, like, beautiful energy to it, Um, even though there also is, like, a lot of struggle in the state. But I I waitressed there for, like, many years, and I just always – it just feels like it kind of, like, opens up your heart to, like, creativity when Mm -hmm. you're there because – there's, there's not much else. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> right. I, I was like, I was like, you know, 21 and on my 21st birthday, I'd be like, let's go out. And like, you can go to a bar in New Mexico and not see a single soul under 40 mm-hmm. for hours. <laughs> like, wow. And uh, we went and had my bachelorette party there. And like, we were, it, it was us. And then just like a, a ton of people over 60. And we were just like dancing and going nuts. But, like, it doesn't really have like a a vibrant twenties to forties
0: mm-hmm. scene uh, in, in Santa Fe. That's it's that sounds like so much fun now, but as a kid, it doesn't sound that much fun.
1: No, no, and you know, my little brother actually um, was much younger when we were living there, and like he was like, "I gotta get the fuck out of here." But I was, I really needed a break from intense life things when I was there, and mm-hmm. so it just it just felt like a really nice break.
0: Uh, why did you need a break? Uh, how dark does your podcast get? Oh, we—we, we, I mean, <laughs> d- if you're cool with getting dark, we can get dark. If you would rather stay light, um, we can stay light. No, um, I, I
1: went through some really, really, really intense things in high school that are beyond the level of normal intense. Like it's a uh, like you can make a little lifetime movie about it. Like mm. it was pretty intense, and so, um, that was my first high school, and then I moved to go to a second high school in new mexico and so i just it always that's the state
0: always just feels like relief to me i mean we do talk about dark things it is too, too dark I okay promise you
1: but i did an episode about it on my podcast Okay, tell, yeah but uh if you're ever interested you can go listen to it it's the ask me anything episode um but it's just, it's also hard it's hard when yeah. you know when you've gone through something like really difficult to sort of I've really tried to be open about it in recent years um, because it's, it's domestic violence. And Mm. I did a whole episode um, on the problem with Jon Stewart about it. And, and I, so I've really pushed myself to get to a place where I can really talk about it because one it's um, healing for, for me to not hide from it, but also because if I had been, um, you know, I was 15 and 16 at the time. And I think if the right thing had come to me that I could have recognized myself in maybe, Uh, Maybe it could have helped me. And so um, I'm just trying now to use the resources I have to to talk about it. But it is really um, it takes a big mental toll to like go back to things like that.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, How did you get into performing?
1: Um, you know, my mom tells me that when I was three years old, I saw a commercial on at the deli. And I said, how do I get in that box? <laughs> and she, how do I get in that box called TV? And she was like, well, you would need an agent. And I was like, get. She let's, said that to a three-year-old? let re- ring one up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I mean, this is my, I, I don't have a memory of this. But she was like, I was like, she was like, you would, you know, I was like, how do I do that? She's like, you become an actor. How do I become an actor? You need an agent. And I was like, yeah, call him up then, mom. Like, let's get on it. And um, she probably rightfully so, but I do think she missed out on millions of dollars Uh, set thought that, you know, it would, it would ruin me Mm -hmm. like, you know, Hollywood ruins child actors. And so I, I've apparently been wanting to do this uh, forever. And I think, you know, as a girl in the early aughts in a small town, I didn't really think anything was possible except for becoming like Julia Roberts and my best friend's wedding. Like that was the most comedic crazy gal I could see on TV, you know? (laughs) And so I, I, I I wanted to do that. I did. Um, we did not have TV, but I remember someone describing an SNL sketch to me, and I've now seen it. It's the Will Ferrell one, um, where they're like Tostito, burrito, what's mm-hmm. coming out of your speedo? And so, my this friend described it to me, and I rewrote the words to it, uh, to be about our school, and then I performed the sketch mm-hmm. I'd never seen at like our school assembly, and so I I always um had this this in me, and and then I think. I think, uh, after high school, it sort of felt like, um, the only, it was the only thing that made me feel better was to like write and perform. And so it it was very easy to choose to do so.
0: Mm -hmm. You didn't have TV?
1: No, no, we often had the physical TV with no uh, cable connector. Like we didn't have the channels. Um, mm-hmm. and we had a VCR. So there's one year where I saw Return of the Jedi every day of my goddamn <laughs> life because my older brother was just, it's just on loop. You uh-huh. know what I mean? <laughs> and then, um, no, we did not, we did not have TV. Um, was it- it's funny because, uh, I, I fully, fully remember it as a uh poverty thing but my mom will now say she's like that was my choice because tv was bad for you and i was like okay and then just like coincidentally we couldn't pay our bills (laughs) so um but yeah so i didn't have it for i I think there were like tiny pockets and um and i saw some tv at friends houses Mm -hmm. so do you
0: think it was a choice though also I don't know. Is my mom going to listen to this episode? <laughs> I don't know. Does she, I, I, I mean, she, um, I, I do, do think not. she's a big fan of mine, but <laughs> I do think she is too. She, you know, um,
1: I, it's so interesting how you and your parents, especially if you've gone through hard things, the, the lens, the lenses with which you can both see the same experience. I do think, you know, my mom is a big hippie, really into new age cultures. I, I think she totally has that value, but no, I think
0: we were really struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that when I was on your show, I, I forget specifically what I was talking about, but I was saying that something about being a late bloomer and feeling like maybe my parents had like oh, been overly protective with me, and you were saying that you had kind of had the opposite experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah. So uh, my mom was in uh, some really abusive marriages, and... Um, she was also married when she was, we talked about this on the Priscilla Presley episode. She was married when she was uh, 14, wow, very young. And so I sort of in response to that sort of became the little adult, you know, and, and then I think because life got so hard and so many things happened and also I was presenting as this person yeah. who maybe had it more together than anyone else in the household. Um, I lived alone um, when I was like 15 for large, large chunks of time. Jeez. Um and so, and at the time, I don't think I would have seen it as, as I can find journal entries where I can see that it's like very hard for me, but I just, you know, I was like, I, I know what's up more than anyone, yeah. you know, and like, and I'm, I'm good. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, I often look back and, and wish I'd, wish I'd not been allowed to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish I'd had a lot more structure. But maybe if, again, like we talked about on the episode, like maybe if I'd had a ton of structure, I'd be sitting here wishing for the opposite.
0: Right. Right. So the problem with Jon Stewart, am I remembering correctly that there was like a big search for head writer? Um, No. So John
1: called me, um, uh, just c- called me and, and asked me to do it oh, uh, wow. when the show was first asked. There was a big search for the writers because okay. he and I changed the... Um, hiring process in a ways I'm very, very proud of. Um, and then because the what we did was so wild, it started to go viral, right? And so then people were, uh, they weren't sure why so many people had this packet. Mm -hmm. So that's why it starts going viral. Everyone's tweeting like every fucking person in the world got the Jon Stewart packet. And at first, uh, people seemed like upset, you know, like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) We're all going to do this packet that no one's going to read. But in reality, I had been sending it around to everyone I knew in comedy and I said, pass it to everyone and you have to self submit your agent and your manager cannot apply for you so that everyone without representation Mm. knew that their packet was wanted and welcome and was going to be read. And then we made it only a single page long so that no matter how many submissions came in, we could take in all of them. So, which is often why there are barriers to the hiring process, you know, where it's like, you don't have the capacity to, to, to take it all in. And so, um, we all, we also did several other things that I was hoping to sort of break open the door for hiring and 2,400 packets came in. Oh my gosh. We read them all blind. So no information was on it. And um, I read every single one of them. And then we uh, narrowed it down to uh, it was like 30 or 40 who were then asked to do a much, much harder packet. Mm. Um, that was also again, red blinds. And then seven writers were hired who had, who were just the best out of all of them. And um you know, like f- five of them didn't have representation, which they were so talented and had been working for so long. It it's it that it really says something about agents and managers that they hadn't found them. Yeah, because those are the best writers in the country. Um, so it was really cool to be able to open up that hiring process. But when it was going on, I mean, that packet was posted on Reddit. Mm-hmm. It was posted on Twitter. We got submissions from Bermuda. We got submissions from Iceland. Like everyone put in a packet. Yeah,
0: yeah, I remember. I re I, I remember hearing about it. Yeah, yeah. Did you end up hiring anyone from Bermuda or Iceland or other countries?
1: We did not. But no, they didn't make it. But we did what I always found funny, I was like, oh my gosh, there's like only seven writers and there's someone from the, the Southwest, the South, the Northwest, the Midwest, East Coast. Like we we had it we had just like all kinds of um just people came from everywhere. It's just like all of America
0: was like in that room. Yeah. Um and so, when what was your uh, television writing journey like? When did you start doing that?
1: So I was on stage performing at the Second City doing their main stage after doing a cruise ship for
0: them and touring and all this stuff. Wait, so you were on a. Cru- re- Sorry, we got to go back to yeah. the cruise ship, please. Yeah,
1: yeah, I was. Um. So yeah i my very, very first job where like I quit waitressing, I quit working at an undisclosed coupon company, and I uh fully made my living as a comedian the That first lift off was being hired to perform on a cruise ship, uh which I always say is the 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 most amazing thing I'd never, ever ever do again. <laughs> um oh my God, it's like just being like trapped on a mall and going in circles for months <laughs> as you improvise comedy, but I gotta tell you, maritime law that shit rules. Wine was a (laughs) dollar. Beers were 25 (laughs) cents. Like that's, uh, that's how I spent most of those four months.
0: So four months on a cruise ship doing comedy. Yeah. And then what, and then what happened?
1: Then I got hired to go perform uh, a city show, which mm-hmm. is where you go to a city and you write a bunch of jokes about the city and, you know, perform that. Then from there, I got hired to understudy their train company. Then I got on the train company where you like get in a van and just go to the shittiest locations you could ever imagine and stay in the bloodiest, grossest hotels <laughs> and perform yeah. your comedy show at night. <laughs> Was that <laughs> you know? super fun though? Yeah. Parts of it were really fun. I think I had such a. I was so set on um I was so set on making a life I could be proud of and not having money ruin my life forever, because mm-hmm. that was like a big theme of growing up. That I was always working. I was always I mean, I was working every second we were backstage when there was a break. Like I, I never kind of let up. So I do think I missed some of the joy of touring because I was just uh always pushing like working on what? more scripts mm-hmm. always scripts um i was always like producing um short films or web series and like when you don't have any money and you're producing it you're on the road like yeah. you know i was i was everything from like editor to producer to holding the boom myself as i stood in frame so um a lot of that and then just a lot of like writing um samples for, to become a tv writer later in life
0: i'm so Im- as someone who battles just sh- sheer laziness i'm so impressed with your work ethic my god
1: Thank you. Thank you. But also, I'm sure, uh, you know, it doesn't always come from a healthy place, you know. So that's what I've learned now that I got money, which gives you what? A therapist. (laughs) Um, And so once I got a therapist, I was able to see like, oh, some of this is coming from a bad place. But uh, it's always brought me a lot of joy and comfort. So it's never been... uh, Work has always been just the safest place in my life. So I've always liked it.
0: But like, where did you learn how to write scripts and how to hold a boom and all that stuff. Had you, had you studied that in school or had you taken classes or et cetera?
1: So, yeah. So I went to, it's hard. I don't want to give it any credit because I think the reason like I, I went to NYU Mm -hmm. to school of the arts, because I thought that's what you had to do to become an artist. And, um, and I studied, um, acting at playwrights horizons which also um kind of just give you a little taste of 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 everything but uh i didn't really none of that was really relevant like they were i in the year i was in school like i mean i think it was like 2009 and they were like you need a black and white headshot and a color headshot (laughs) it's like i'm sorry (laughs) what here's your diploma Yeah. So I was like, huh. So when I really, really got the education that I use in my current life was when I moved to Chicago, um, where rent was really, really cheap. And I just started taking every single class I could find at the same time. And that's really where I got my skill set that I use now. And then when it came to the, I mean, when we first wanted to do a web series, we were just like, how do you, how do you do that? And, um, the, the internet taught me Mm -hmm. everything I know. So I, in our first web series, like, I, there's a picture of me holding this like shitty Canon camera in one hand and it's plugged into the wall. (laughs) And in my left hand is the, the camera manual. (laughs) And so, and that's how I did the first one. And the way I learned to edit that web series was like this 12 year old on YouTube was like, all right, so here's how you, Mm -hmm. and I had gotten this like free unlocked version of a final cut pro. And so this like 12 year old taught me how to edit. And so um, I think from there to just reading actual scripts mm-hmm. and like uh, there's a lot of like PDFs linked online of like every pilot, every movie, almost everything you can find it mm-hmm. these days. And I
0: just read thousands. So you so I just read it all being motivated and teaching yourself basically from what yeah, you could find yeah. online.
1: Yeah. And I think like anytime someone comes out to me and they're like, I want to go to NYU too. I'm like, first, you know, look at some other options. Yeah. <laughs> look at some options where you don't take out a million dollars in
0: loans. So you went to NYU for one year?
1: No, no, no. I went for three years. Oh, and oh, then oh. I transferred in credits and left uh, as soon as I could. Oh, got it. Got it.
0: Um, Okay. So. All right. So you. Okay. So then you went. to, And so then what was your first TV writing job? My very first TV writing job was writing for John Stewart. Um, So I was
1: uh, performing at the Second City and a packet came around uh, for a kind of unnamed show. And the packet was actually pretty, he was trying to do something really new um, and exciting. So it was a very different packet. It it was like a little odd. And um, I put in that packet and John himself literally read it and which is like you never think anyone's reading your mm. packet. So I always love sharing that story. I mean, like he he had been retired for a year and he was like, yeah, you know, let me, let me hire my new show. So he read it and then um I got hired. I like quit the show, moved my whole life in 2 weeks. They were like, we're starting right now. Like you got to go now. So I moved there um and then I was the only writer he had hired. And so then all the writers came on later, but I had this like really great month of like brainstorming the show and like learning with John and um, he gave me my very first break. Which show was that? It never came out. Uh, We worked on it for a year and then it was uh, self-canceled, which was, you know, the right call. He was we were doing something like really technologically cool and the technology just really wasn't there. Um, It wasn't ready. And so. I mean, yes, but we did the show as if it was going live every Mm. night for a year. Uh, So, and then that went away and then I went and worked on another late night show
0: um, in New York. Wait, you did it as if, like you, like you were practicing it or you were actually filming it? Yeah, we were like, um, it, it had this like,
1: live animation component to wow. it. We, we we were pitching, writing the scripts, we were filming the animation. I was putting on these like technological suits and like acting out all the female characters and going through animation. Then I was like cutting it and editing it. And then um you know we would see every day where we got at
0: seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Was that a bummer when it didn't happen?
1: It was a really bummer to leave John and leave the writers, but it was very clear that the
0: show wasn't Ready? Uh, the technology just just it just wasn't there yet. Yeah, when you were first hired by him and you moved your whole life there, was that like, oh my god, like what was that? What did that feel like? I mean, best day of my fucking life. Yeah. I I you
1: know my best uh my best friend Ashley Nicole Lack um, was working on Sam B. and she'd already been on there for like a year, and so um I'm I'm in New York City and she got us these. Uh, all-you-can-drink wristbands (laughs) to an NSYNC cover band warehouse concert. Oh, my God. (laughs) And... And I had no money. So $80 like really took me out. And so I was like, I am getting my money's worth. Like I was like, I got to make this $80 work. I guess we're having a hundred gin and tonics tonight. (laughs) And so, um, oh my God, we were just like drinking and like going nuts. I got so drunk. I threw away my wallet and my phone. I threw up in her elevator, (gasps) took off all my clothes and crawled into her bed naked. Um, but like, yeah, I was just like, it's, it's kind of an unbelievable. Yeah. It's an unbelievable moment. Um, it's an unbelievable moment when something comes true like that. And I, I just it's never thought tale. I was um, going to, it's tough, you, you you know, inside who you are, but you never think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: had you done a lot of packets before
1: that? Yeah. Yeah, I had. I, I would probably done like 10 or 12. Mm-hmm. Wow. So and the- I'd gotten, I'd gotten really far in them too. Like I'd made it to final rounds and stuff before and then something would
0: inevitably like not work out and, right. you know. Just hearing that story, I, I got so I felt like I felt such excitement for you. so then you left And what uh, what late night show did you go to? I went and worked on the opposition with drawing oh, yeah.
1: and then I left from that. I moved to LA I said it's time to to make the kind of art I've, I've always wanted to make. I'm never writing in late night again. Um, <gasps> then I needed rent wrote on another late night show (laughs) i wrote on the gong show with mike myers and then uh and then after that i i slowly started to break into like narrative scripted writing which is
0: Um, is that the kind of art you want to make
1: i yeah i really want i mean i also love film Mm -hmm. um as you know like from from my short film uh but i yeah i i have i really want to make like very joke forward comedy um that has the women I know in my life, uh, in it, and I really I have themes that are like very important to me from growing up that I've just not really seen on mm-hmm. TV before,
0: and I, I hope I get to like tell some of these stories I really want to tell. Um, okay, can we t- let's talk about Basic because I love it so much. Tell tell people about it. Um, okay, thank you so much. Uh, Basic
1: is a short film I made. That is so 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 short. It is three minutes long, um, and I just made it for myself because I had been making things to sell and to do all these things with, and I hadn't made something for myself in a really long time. And the idea hit me, and so I made it with my um, my friend Kevin Walsh and and his wife Kelly Riley and my my best friend Kenzie Siebert. So it was a crew of four, and that was it. It was just four of us, and we made this film uh, in a day and. I thought it was so great and so then I was like what now and I put it into festivals it ended up going to South by Southwest which was huge it went up online on Amazon Prime and, and people started reaching out to me and then now it's being um, developed and I, it's a feature film that I wrote it has oh my a production god company attached to it um, has some like great actors attached and it's like trying to find
0: its way oh wow so how I know, because
1: when you see the short film, you're like, in what world is that a feature? Right. Like, it's impossible. I know. I know. And uh, but it is. And it's it's like my favorite thing. And if I don't get to make it, I think I'm going to run through a plate of glass.
0: Well, <laughs> well, good, because plate glass can can uh absorb a person running through it. Right. <laughs> I, hope it, so. I think you'll be fine. Let us pray. Yeah. Plate glass. That's the whole deal with plate glass is like a person will be OK if they run through it. Does it go in little bits or... Sh- I don't know. Somehow the glass doesn't hurt you if you go through it. I think. I w- Don't listen to me. I'm ready. I'll try it. Yeah. I'll let you know. I'll report <laughs> okay. back. Um, My question is... So wait. You have not written it yet, though. You want to write it. Yeah, I have. Oh, you, have you have, you've have written, written the whole it. thing. Okay. Yeah, so ready. then how does... How... How does the... Like a, a whole movie so it it uses the characters that you see in the three minute movie question mark. I,
1: yes. Yes. Uh, but there is, oh, I wish I could tell it to you, but then it, it'd be the yeah. most boring podcast, but also to ever gets made. I've just spoiled right. the whole movie, but um, uh, there's a really, really beautiful story behind it. And it's also like very joke heavy. And I, I, people kept asking me, you know, when you have a short film, like go to a festival and do well, people are always like, what's the feature version. And at first I was like, Dude's nothing. I have a thousand other scripts for you, but like not this. Yeah. And then there's just these moments where like you get these strikes of lightning. And I I was at a dinner, um, actually with my agent Anna and and my manager Jordan, and we were just going all in on the wine. And I'm so fortunate to to have these like really like young cool women, mm-hmm. you know, who are just like don't feel like reps, like they're they're just like really cool, creative, awesome women. And um, all of a sudden I. All of a sudden, this whole feature film just like sat in my brain and I was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. <laughs> and just had to like run out of the dinner. And then, um, yeah.
0: Um, OK, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we, we need to just talk a little bit more about BASIC. I want to tell you guys about StoryWorth. You've probably heard me talk about StoryWorth before. I am a huge fan of StoryWorth. StoryWorth is a wonderful gift to give to a relative, someone you love. Give it to yourself. They never talk about that. They never say, hey, give StoryWorth to yourself. I don't think it's done as much. Uh, I gave it to my dad. So here's the deal with StoryWorth. It is a service that sends a story prompt to the recipient. So, take my dad, for example. My dad loves to tell stories. I've heard his stories over and over. I thought I knew everything there was to know about my dad. Um, but I want to collect these stories. I want, my dad's older. I want to have them. I want to be able to remember them. I want to be able to pass them down to my kids and stuff. So, anyway uh I give him story worth every week he receives a story prompt he sends in his response or you can also call it in uh and then at the it, after a year they collect all of the stories and they put them in a beautiful hardbound book and you have a book of stories from your loved one and it makes a wonderful gift but here's the thing I thought I knew everything there was to know about my dad because like I said same, same stories over and over. I, I learned so much stuff. I learned odd jobs that he had as a kid that I never knew about. I learned about his relationships with relatives that I hadn't heard about. I learned about his experience learning to drive. He grew up in New York that when he learned to drive, you had to be 18, not six, like a 16. I, le- I learned about the car that he learned to drive on just stuff that I'd never thought to ask him that I, it just hadn't come up. And it was fascinating. Um, so it really uncovers, surfaces story. I think that's a trendy word now. It uncovers stories about your loved one that you might not know about. Uh, and it just makes for a great gift. Every time I've talked about it on the show and people have, uh, bought it for their loved ones, the feedback I get is what an amazing gift. So I'm telling you, it's a good gift. It's a great gift. Uh, Get to know your loved ones better and preserve those special moments forever with Storyworth. Right now, for a limited time, you can save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash best friend. That's Storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash best friend to save $10 on your first purchase. StoryWorth.com slash best friend. Okay, we're back. So, basic the because I, I don't you know you're being very cryptic. I don't know the movie. I can't wait to see it. It has to get made.
1: But the <laughs> I short, mean, how boring would it be? If I, know, I told I know. you a
0: movie plotline. But your the short, listeners would be like, we hate your guests. <laughs> no, they are gonna love you. The short, we can talk about what the short's about though, right? In sure. Oh my minutes. gosh, of yeah. course. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 uh, a a woman in bed. Uh, just scrolling through and looking at this other beautiful woman and all the stuff she's doing, like just, just making fun of her and everything, you know, she's, it's just, just being the pettiest person that everyone can relate to. Like, oh, you're so basic. Oh, you're buying groceries. Oh, you're doing this. Oh, you're doing that. And it turns out that it's like her, the guy she's with. It's, it's his ex-girlfriend that he had dated for like three months or something, but it's, um, it's so fucking relatable. Is this something that you battle?
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I used to battle actually. And like uh, making the short film was like very, very healing. So, I mean, the setup of the movie is you think it's someone looking at uh, the girl who stole your boyfriend. Yes. Yes. And the big twist and reveal that this hopefully is done comedically is that he's in bed next to her and she's looking back in the past and getting just as mad. Even right. though this is not something that affects her. And, um, Yeah, the whole film came to me because, uh, someone that my fiance had gone on, uh, like two, two dates with like seven years ago, um, deep liked a tweet of mine, like a year old, like a year old tweet of mine. And, um. And, and I was like, what is this? <laughs> you know, then I like went to her feed and just like a fucking homeland murder board. I'm I'm looking at everything she's ever put online. I'm I, I'm, I'm like, oh, my gosh, she's kind of funny. She she was like, this hair conditioner is good. I order it. I'm like, it seems like we have similar hair. Let, let me get this. You know, I was just I just lived in her world. And it just hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh, like this is not about me and him. This is about me and her. (laughs) She's looking at me. I'm looking at Mm -hmm. her. And like, there's just so much to say about how we fall in love these days and the emotional tour you can take yourself on of someone else's past and how things that are not real online, create your real life. And um, I liken the movie to like a a first wives club, where you you know it has the shape of a rom com, but it's really about women mm-hmm. and women being friends, and um and so that really spoke to me.
0: Yes, yes. I remember dating this guy in New York and feeling intense jealousy over someone that he had dated way before me that he wasn't with anymore. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah. yeah. Why am? I, why? why but like and also anger at him yeah he had been with yes. her how dare he of course this is so like
1: fucking relatable and also like it's always about us yeah. it's always about us like i you know my very it's so funny because i was really like why why would i do this like i consider myself like a feminist like yeah. this feels so anti-woman i don't want this inside me and i you know i was in therapy trying to figure out like why this would make me so mad and then I found my journal from my very first relationship mm. when I was a teenager and um and my very first boyfriend ever had uh cheated on me. Mm. And uh in my journal I was like always be looking. <laughs> always be on the hunt. You just never know. And like little teenage me has like always been inside my heart being like watch out bitch, something's coming for you. Yeah. And until I like went back and was like okay, like you can calm the fuck down now. <laughs> Because right. we can't always be on the lookout for something bad that's happening to us based on a previous fear that's that's not present in our current mm-hmm. relationship. And like, because, uh, I mean, no matter what, even if I was dating a guy who I thought fucking sucked and and wished would stop calling me, I'd be like, who's
0: who's his ex-girlfriend? What's that like? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, totally. You just wrote a book, right?
1: I did. Yeah, I just turned in the first draft. So it's um not done. We're, we're we
0: now enter. Long rewrites, but congratulations! Thank you. Um, and when does that come out? Um, I think it's going to come out
1: winter next year or fall next year. Um, whoo! It is. It's hard. It's a hard, hard process, and like you just have to do so much therapy to even get to good writing. It's, it's a lot.
0: Yeah, that's awesome though. Um, has. Re- how has how has reading a ton of celebrity memoirs on your podcast how did that affect your writing of your well I guess yours is yours is essays right
1: yeah mine's definitely not a like front to back memoir and also it'll you know kind of uh more like com- comedy girl comedy girl memoir mm-hmm. um oh my gosh my celebrity memoirs have influenced the education of my writing to a detrimental degree <laughs> <laughs> a detrimental degree but I do have a lot of really strong opinions on um, memoir, I guess, because it is my favorite genre. And, you know, even I feel like at the first page of a memoir, I know, I, I know what kind of book it is and if it's going to be good, because that's how much like the first page tells you. Mm-hmm. And so when I go to write my own first page, you know, just crippling, crippling pressure, because <laughs> I know what it means when I read it and like Oh, gosh, as I've been doing this process, you know, I read Jeanette McCurdy's book and um, it's just like just one of the best memoirs ever written. I need to read it. I haven't
0: I have not yeah. read it yet. Read
1: it, read or listen to it. It's really, really good. But when you are in the middle of writing your own manuscript and you read that, you're sort of like, um, should I throw this in the trash? <laughs> like, have I been writing a book? I don't think I have because this is a book. Um, So it's also really hard to take in so many people's mm-hmm. amazing stories yeah. and you but without changing your own style and what you want to say right um, right but yeah I, I just love memoirs so
0: so much what um makes hers so good
1: well one her life story even if it was just even if we were just telling life stories around a campfire like hers is going to the top mm-hmm. it's just Bonkers bananas insane um really heartbreaking mm-hmm. amounts of trauma and child abuse. Mm. Um and then next to that that shouldn't be discredited in any way is that she's a phenomenal writer. Mm. She's a phenomenal writer and I think of all the memoirs often memoirs will do this thing where they write in first person about something that happened when they were very young. But then they end up writing like the most unbelievable child character you know they're kind of using like their adult wisdom yes. gets filtered into i'm eight years old yeah. and, I, and it just it just doesn't, doesn't hit. work and she captured what it is like to be a child living through these mm, events wow. so beautifully and and there's moments of dark humor and honesty and insight. And um, it's just so incredibly well-written. And I think to see someone like not only com- like come through trauma like that, but then turn around and make that kind of art is just like, I just feel like it like brings you to your knees.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. I really do need to to read this book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, I keep hearing, I, I keep, I like, I'll look at Amazon and then it's not available for a while. Um. And then I think of my stack of books that I have been meaning to read for a while and then I put it off. But no, it sounds like I need to Ugh, I need to make it this happen. It. Yeah. It
1: is worth it. That one is worth it. Gabrielle Union's first memoir, another one that's incredible, Demi Moore's
0: memoir. I'll give you a little list. Okay. I know but Jessica yeah. Simpson's memoir, I know you're a big Ugh, fan so of. So good. Yeah. So good. Mariah Carey's, yeah. Um, did you ever read Tina Yother's memoir? No. Wait, was sure. it oh wait. Was it a memoir or was it advice? for girls. I think it was advice for girls because I remember there was like a little section in there about like telling you how to like wash yourself and wear deodorant and stuff. So I think I had that one. Always love
1: some good advice. Yeah.
0: It was like a Q and a advice for girls, teeny others. And then also, um, and I know that you talked about this. Drew Barrymore's book. Was it little was hers? Little girl lost.
1: Yeah, she has two. Yeah. So Little Girl Lost was written when she was 13 yeah. and in rehab. Um, it's a crazy, crazy book that's out of print. And then her, um, second one, Wildflower was okay. written as an adult.
0: Right. Cause I read the first one and I know you were saying that that was like her mom kind of wrote that, right? With some guy with a your ghost nemesis writer yeah. who's
1: kind of writing her mom's accounts oh right oh right it was both of them the book. yes now yeah. i remember yeah and then uh, and then drew supposedly yes. is the other
0: she yeah. said she said okay um so I am on Patreon and I have some questions that listeners sent in that I would like to ask Ooh. you. So I'm on Patreon, patreon.com slash Rosen is where you go all sorts of rewards and bonus content and stuff. Um, you can get bonus episodes of my Patreon podcast, the friend zone. There's a level where you can text me and I'll text you back uh, live streams. You can submit questions for my guests. You can submit carbohydrates that I will call you on the Thursday show. Shout outs, all sorts of fun stuff. Subscribe for a year, get two months free. Check it out at patreon.com slash Alison rosen okay when
1: we ask they send them in they're wondering how you have been so thanks so much
0: for answering these questions from our fans karen quinn says where is her favorite place to vacation and why
1: oh karen quinn um I, uh, talk about being a workhorse, not great at vacationing, Um, but I, I really love, um, I love lakes and cabins and kind of anywhere that is. And I also love to not be flying. So Mm -hmm. anything that's like driving distance from wherever I am in such location, I'm there. I also love going back to Santa Fe, which is now a little bit of a vacation for me because I, I don't live there anymore. And, um, and I love the Catskills.
0: Are you? Do you just? Uh, are you afraid to fly, or do you just find it to be a royal pain in the butt?
1: I have uh, intense, intense anxiety that for some reason flying will just kind of mm-hmm. pop it up, and so uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't like to fly. But that being said, I mean, I was a touring comedian; we had to fly all the fucking time, right? So I can definitely fly. I'm just, just, just not. I if it. I could choose, I'd give a hearty no thanks.
0: It's not fun. Not Not enjoyable. No. Have you ever flown private? No. And I
1: never would because in so many memoirs, like Reba McIntyre's memoir has an entire section about a private plane killing her entire band. Oh, geez. I I just can't. I just everyone's like private, private. I'm like, never in my life. You will never see me get on a helicopter or
0: a private plane. Yeah, I won't get on a helicopter. Maybe I should add. private. I'm going to add private. Oh, can I give up my dream of flying private? Because I've held on to that dream for a while of like being that echelon of special Listen, human. Never let someone with anxiety ruin
1: your dream. You get on that private plane, Allison, and you send me photos from it.
0: No, but I'm also the kind of person that like I I I need to be the most anxious in the room. It may, that makes me feel less anxious. So if someone has, you know, an If someone's more cautious than me, that makes me go, oh, I'm not being cautious enough. I'm missing something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I'm honestly, I'm afraid for your listeners hearing this and like, no, fly private. I hear it's amazing. Don't listen to me.
0: (laughs) But you're right. It's the small, you know what? It's not really something I need to worry about. It hasn't come up yet. So if if it's offered (laughs) to me, I'll think about it then. Um, okay. Ariana Biskey says, ooh, exciting. That's ooh, exciting that you're going to be on the show. I have two completely unrelated questions. What are the absolute juiciest celebrity memoirs she's read? That's the first question. And how has she developed into such a confident person? I really admire that about her.
1: Oh, my gosh. This was the nicest question. <laughs> um juiciest okay it depends on how you define juice but like a lot of weird celebrity sightings in and out of a book uh rosie perez Ooh. has a whole section on JLo. um demi moore you get a bunch of like great ashton tea which is like so fun um let me let me turn and look at my big stack of books i mean um, pamela debar oh yeah yeah i mean it, it, but then there's other books like they're not dishing Tea, but they're so juicy. You know what I mean? Like I, I would reread Gabrielle Union's like constantly. Uh Drew Barrymore's first memoir. She's talking about Emilio Estevez Rob Lowe. Oh, Melissa Gilbert's book. Uh she was um in Little House on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. She has tons of uh tons of celebrity tea, and um
0: so does Tory Spelling. Okay. Tory spelling is like five books. Oh yes, I have Tory spelling storytelling, and I do yeah. love the word play. Have you read Allison Angram's book. No, um, she played Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie. Um, maybe I have. It's been. She
1: a... become a Fox News reporter. No. Oh, that's a different one.
0: I don't think she.
1: She was also on Little House on the Prairie, and really? I read that book. Yeah, um, but it must have been a different. Wait, purpose. maybe. Oh my God, did she? No, I don't remember the name Allison. I feel like I would have
0: remembered this.
1: I uh, no, it's. It's a different Melissa, I think.
0: Okay. Um. Um. My so if that one's been recommended to me, and I'm forgetting the name of it. But uh, and I uh, yeah. Wait, I've I've lost my train of thought. But anyway, um. Okay, those all sound great. And then, how have you developed into such a confident person? That is a good uh, question.
1: That is so nice, and it's so nice to hear that. And um, the truthful answer is that I felt very humiliated as a child in different ways. And once you kind of go to the depths of that bottom, you sort of realize that like nothing's real and nothing's to stop you because you've already felt the worst, you know, like what, what could come now. And it, it's really made me quite fearless. And as I stepped more into, well, you, I've already felt that bad before. So I'm not going to be afraid to do this other thing. Cause I know what it, feels like to feel bad. And I made it through. And once I gave more into that side of myself, it became a very joyful thing to, to, to realize that. And when I was, um, 21, I blackmailed myself with a tattoo. I was, um, I was really afraid of everything. I was so afraid to try and be an artist. And, um, I just felt so much fear around everything. And, um, I, I, put this tattoo on my foot. Um, that's kind of, it's the sim, it symbolizes, uh, walking through the fear. And I really thought like, well, if I tattoo it on myself, surely I'll have to do it because <laughs> this is going to be on me forever. And every time I'm sort of like been lost and, um, or like really lost my way, whether it's like something small or something big, uh, I'll inevitably catch sight of my own foot <laughs> mm-hmm. and I will be like, that's, that's the answer. Like you just, you just have to try and you just have to go. And then so many beautiful blessings have come from that, that it kind of encourages you to keep going. So I would say I started very small at first, you know, you just do something really small, but then like something positive happens. And then it's just like, sort of like evidence that maybe you can like continue on.
0: What is the symbol?
1: Um, I, I had the words, Walk through the fear, uh, twisted around to just resemble a, a pattern because I, d- I didn't want to like put words on yeah. my foot. But so it just kind of looks like a a, a little pattern on my foot. And um, also the tattoo artist was wasted. And I said to myself, if this isn't walking through the fear, I don't know what the fuck is. And so I got a very painful tattoo by a very drunk man in New Mexico, and I've
0: never regretted it. I don't have any tattoos. And just lately, I've been really, really wanting to get one, but I don't know what. But I also feel like that is like, it feels very, um and this shouldn't matter, but I don't know. I feel like I'm like, It feels very cliche to just be like, I'm a mom with two kids and I've decided I have to get a tattoo. Because of the pandemic Uh, or something. I think
1: that's so silly. And you know what's gonna happen? You just have to tell the, I'm sorry, this is the woo-woo side of me from New Mexico speaking. You just have to tell the universe, like,
0: I am ready for my tattoo. Show me what it is. Oh, that's good. And something beautiful is gonna come into your life that you need. In the same way that I manifested the mosquito problem right out of my life, I need (laughs) to, yeah, show me the tattoo that I should get. Yeah, I know. It shouldn't matter that it's cliche, but I do feel like mom's getting tattoos is a thing. But also, who cares? But I feel like all of a sudden, like, in the past, I've always been very precious about it. And like, oh, I just it's my one body. And it's my one life. And I can't, you know, by the way, like, I hate Sorry, I know this is triggering language. But like, I hate my body. So why do I care so much? Like, I have a very, like, not healthy relationship with my body. So I don't know why I'm like treating it like a pristine thing or something. But all of I think I've like, all of a sudden i'm like yeah if i want to like get a tattoo why not
1: well and also tattoos that's that's on the premise that a tattoo is something disgusting you're doing to yourself what if maybe that is is like very beautiful you're doing and if your body is your your one true treasure that we we must worship our temple well you should put some kick-ass drawings on it um I always look at tattoos as like something that I'm missing and I, I need to add it to myself mm-hmm. uh, spiritually. So I'm going to tattoo it on because it's something I'm like missing in my heart. And, um, and also like, if you, you know, if you hate something about yourself, maybe put something beautiful on it and see if it can g- make you love it. Also yeah. don't get a tattoo unless you're totally ready. You'll have so much regret and fear and pain. It's the worst feeling in the world. Buyer's remorse on a tattoo. You can't have it. You gotta, you have to know in your heart, like who, I am ready. Nothing can stop me from this tattoo.
0: Have Do you have buyer's remorse about any of them?
1: I've had buyer's remorse before about a tattoo um, and then it's gone away, but I've definitely had the feeling about it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course.
0: A friend of mine got like a big one on her back that had a like big initial of her dad had um, – died and she got like a big her dad's big a big initial. But anyway, I forget the specific reasons why she but she said that the second the tattoo artist was done, she regretted it. Like she just did the whole thing. And it's big.
1: I mean that's tough. That's really tough. And you never want to feel that. I mean I think I I um I had I had the regret because I couldn't remember if I had meant to put it on. I have two tattoos on um, on my hands, and I couldn't remember if I had I was supposed to put it on a different finger. I was like, "Wait, is that the finger I meant to put this on?" So then I spiraled and spiraled until I realized it was.
0: <laughs> what are they?
1: Um, one is um a little uh a little bird that is a little um drawing from a book that I had put in my journal when mm-hmm. I was a kid, um, and it's um sort of symbolized me coming to a place where i could you know talk about myself and, and my story and and not uh you know have a panic attack the whole time and um and then the other one is a little uh protective symbol also uh, that mm-hmm. i had written in my journal did those hurt yeah
0: yeah they sure did yeah.
1: fingers are fingers are fucking hard man. yeah <laughs> and uh but w- nothing has ever hurt as much as my foot oh really yeah yeah
0: um what area hurt least
1: um, what area hurt least? Uh, the back of my forearm. Hmm. Is that what this, is that what this is called? The opposite of like, yeah, the inside of my forearm on the back, right here, this little house.
0: Okay, got it. Uh, Leanne Ward says, I don't have a question, but I just wanted to say that I enjoyed the episode of Celebrity Book Club that you, that's me, were a guest on so much that I subscribed to Chelsea's podcast and I'm really enjoying it. I knew Elvis wasn't the best guy, but I was pretty surprised by how absolutely messed up he really was.
1: Ah, well, thank you for subscribing. That means a lot. And yeah, I was also surprised at how Uh messed up Elvis was.
0: I didn't see that coming either. Uh, Whitney C says, if she were a lipstick color, what would it be? Ooh, um, bold bitch, bold bitch red. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, do you have a just me or everyone? Sometimes I
1: ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Okay, this will go along with my short film. Our, the short from basic discussion. Perfect. When you go to someone, when I go to someone's Twitter and I really want to know who they are, whether it's like a stranger or someone, you know, I'm, I'm looking up like an old friend or something. The first thing I do is look at all the tweets they liked before I even mm. read their own tweets. Cause I feel like that tells you who someone really is. Is that just me or do other people do that too?
0: That is not just you. I, I, have sort of forgotten it. Like every now and again, I'll remember to do that, but it's not the first thing I do, but I really think I should. I used to really curate my likes. I used to Ooh, be like, like what you were like. Yeah. I used to be like I was very judicious with what I would like and I would some I would go back and look at my own likes to you know have a laugh because it was really a collection (laughs) of like stuff that I really liked whereas now is it's now like I just hand that out it's really just a way of saying like I see that like I mean I just it's such a I I like so much stuff it's really like I don't even know I mean I guess you I guess someone could tell something about me of
1: course you could be like you know what i'm uh, allison allison takes in all this stuff like she enjoys it she likes to give people appreciation like i feel like it's illuminating no matter what you're liking i
0: think i am gonna be looking more at what other people are liking i mean i don't think it's healthy i don't think anyone should do it i was just you know what i mean i don't think but i think um, that's a good idea it's a good idea and then uh do you have uh hey go fuck yourself Just so many, you know what I mean? Just so many. (laughs) How am I
1: going to choose? Let's roll it by like, let's roll it back and start with uh, Tommy Mottola who, you know, it's been a long time since I've told him to go fuck himself. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to do it again. He was Mariah Carey's manager. Uh, her husband when she was 18 he was also jessica simpson's manager he um gave them insane eating disorders was very abusive and then made all the rest of us gals grow up with women who were like stick thin and then we had to hate ourselves and it all goes back to tommy Matola. so tommy Matola could definitely go fuck himself hey jeanette mcgurty's mom hey 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 go fuck yourself and all of the dads in all the memoirs who told their daughters that they were fat or ugly in some way and gave them crippling life problems, they can go fuck themselves. Which reminds me to tell my own dad to go fuck himself, who's not actually my dad. So my real dad, he can also go fuck himself. And anyone who is... Um, so, so crippled in their own insecurity and jealousy that they're cruel to others. And instead of just going and working on themselves, y'all can go fuck yourself, too. Hey, hey, hey,
0: go fuck yourself. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my <laughs> God. That was like, this is all the hate built up in my heart. <laughs> but I mean, that was truly the like multiple orgasm version of hey go fuck yourself because oftentimes people just do one and you were on a roll (laughs) I didn't know if we were I mean listen do you have another hour like let's just stay here and roll through them let's just change the show from Alice Rose's new best friend to just hey go fuck yourself with Allison and Chelsea I think that's a spinoff that needs to happen oh my god that was so good and I agree with all of that It was so nice having you on the show, Chelsea. Thank you so, 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 so much. Tell everyone where they can find you, what they do, all your plugs, please. Okay, well, thank you so much for having me. And you
1: can follow me at Chelsea DeVantes uh, on Instagram and Twitter um, as we discuss a post a lot of things and my podcast celebrity book club with Chelsea DeVantes. Um, You know, we have a, we have all kinds of stuff like Facebook, Patreon, but see if you like it first. So just go listen to the podcast first and see if you like it. Allison's episode's a, a great place to start and uh, you're so good on it.
0: Oh, and thank just thank you. you so much for reaching out and for having me. Sure. Thank you. Uh, you guys, if you like what you're hearing or even if you don't, please make sure you're subscribed. Tell a friend. Leave us a nice comment. It does help out the show. I know everyone's always saying leave us a nice comment on Apple Podcasts podcast, but it's because it's important. So please make sure to leave a nice comment, click five stars, uh, and, uh, follow me on social media at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram. I'm also on cameo. And also I should have mentioned it earlier. You can watch this whole thing. You can see Chelsea's beautiful hair and my <gasps> sort of okay hair. YouTube.com slash Alison Rosen is where you can subscribe there to subscribe everywhere. Just find both of us And find the subscribe button and just click it. Do that. Uh, And uh, what am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anything? I feel like I am. You know, I've been doing this show for 45 years, and every single time I feel like there's things I'm forgetting. Listen to my other podcast. I already mentioned this. Chelsea, it was so nice having you on the show. Thank you again. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know? And Rosen show we had a good time but now we gotta go yeah Allison rose is your new best friend